This is Kingston Live, and our guest today is a staple in both his genre and the Canadian musical canon. Finney McConnell is the frontman and founding member of the Mahones, the band that electrified the Celtic punk sounds of artists like the Pogues, and pioneered the Irish punk style in the early 90s, paving the way for bands like Flogging Molly and the Dropkick Murphys. Since forming the band over 30 years ago, Finney has dropped a staggering number of records, and coming off the heels of the Mahone's 2020 record Unplugged, he's now gearing up for the release of Dark Streets of Love, his upcoming solo record. Across his library of albums, he's also performed and recorded with many other stars in the local and national scene, including members of the Tragically Hip and the late Joe Chitlin, bassist and namesake of the Joe Chitlin Memorial Music Instrument Lending Library. Finney has seen it all, good and bad, over his career. And much like his music, Finney is raw, authentic, and uncompromising. Finney has a lot to say about his experiences, but he gives very few interviews. So this conversation offered a rare glimpse into the life and work of a unique Kingston talent. There's always stuff happening. It's amazing. I feel lucky to be here because Kingston has so many venues like that. I think Kingston has a great music scene that is better than 90% of other towns of this size. And once I got in, I was like, great, I'm here. I'm just going to start a band now. Here's a secret exclusive for you guys. You guys can blow your talk about it all you want. Nobody in the world knows about this. Next St. Patrick's Day, we're doing three shows in Canada, Kingston, Toronto, and Montreal. Three shows only. The original Andy Brown, Gerald Sullivan, Owen Warnica, Vinnie McConnell. The Dragon the Days lineup, we're going to do three shows. Only three. No never way. release our first album, never released first album that we recorded in Kingston. Clear the way. At the Funhouse, we're going to release it for the first time ever on CD in the internet. It's only on cassette. So we're getting together for a reunion next year. Mahones are doing shows this summer, my Mahones, in Europe. But we're going to play Kingston, Montreal, and Toronto, March 17th, 18th, and 19th. So write it down. We'll show up in Kingston on March 17th. St. Patrick's Day, original band. The show's going to be in a big show, so it'll be in the theater. But between you and I, there'll probably be a secret show to two can a day or two before that, a warm-up show. So I'll invite you guys to it. It'll be a guest list only. Yes. And then this Toronto show will be the Phoenix Concert Theater. Montreal will do uh, the Corona Theater. So we'll do three shows only, regional band. Get ready, boys. Nobody knows about it except for you guys. But you can talk about it now because I let it out of the bag to you guys. I want to give you guys something special. Even Bill Velitska doesn't know this, guys. <laughs> oh, this is not... Some artists, you have such a deep and massive repertoire you know, some artists don't like going back in time and playing. Well, I have to. I'm, 50, I'm 55. I'm 56, so it's time for me to reflect on the past and celebrate it. So I'm remastering those first four albums, five albums: Clear the Way, Dragging the Days, Rise Again, Here Comes Lucky with Johnny Faye and the drums with that one, the Bath House, and then the last one was Here Comes Here Comes Lucky. Sorry, Health Out Clutch has Here Comes Lucky. It's five albums in the 90s. All the original lineups. So I'm remastering all those for the 30th anniversary edition. So every two years, we'll get together and do a couple of shows. That's awesome. First three will be in Canada. Next one's probably in Europe. You know, we'll just go wherever we want. Well, I'm friends with all the original guys. You know, they all have their, their own careers. Andrew runs the Toucan, as you know. Uh, Jerry's, Jerry's an artist. He was living in Florida. He's an art school teacher. And now he's just moved back to Ireland. 
and Owen uh, works for the government in Kingston. He's got a top level government job. And so like we, we all talked this year. So I talked to him about the reissues and if, if they wanted to do them with me and we agreed to do it. And I said, well, let's do a couple of shows just for fun for our friends. So yeah, there's going to be three shows and there's a reckoning reunion. I put back the reckoning for the first time in 30 years, my Kingston punk alt, alt rock band. All oh members. yeah. I remember seeing something like that. Uh, we're awesome. We're like the replacements meets Husker do. We're fantastic. So we're all, we're all 55 now too. So we all talked and we're going to get together, do some shows and I'm going to release the album finally that we made 30 years ago. It sounds amazing. It can blow you guys' minds. So the only reason I didn't release it is because I got a record contract from Holmes. So I hit the shelf. So I'm doing that. That's going into the, uh, studio shortly and I, when i come to kingston i'm going to meet the guys down at skid's house and we're going to have a jam there'll be a gig in kingston we'll do a couple gigs there's no tours ever again but we're just going to do gigs wherever we feel like it i toured for 30 years in the van guys my back is broken i'm done you know i don't want to tour anymore i just gonna fly in and out and, and hang out for the week in your town and have a good time that's you the know? way to do it man i know yeah i want to come to the town do the gig then go out for dinner the next night and visit some friends and hang out do some shopping every time i go to tour i have to leave right after the show or the next day and i never see nothing so from now on, I just go fly in. Like when I we're headlining Pass Pop in uh, September, the Mahomes on September fourth. So I'm gonna fill in up for a concert DVD because we haven't got one yet. That'll be the last show of the dates we do in the summer. We're only gonna do a few festivals. So I'll stay in Holland for a week. I'll play five uh, acoustic shows. I love Holland; it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Amsterdam, baby. Now you did make mention uh, of the Mahones aren't touring anymore, but you are playing festivals and yeah, one-offs stuff shows. like that. You gotta pay us now. You, you just gotta. I mean, I, I finished the Mahones tour last year, 30th anniversary tour. And I'm, I'm still paying off the debts of that tour. And I finished my album the other day and I had two bucks in the bank. So like, it's not as if I sell, I never sold out. Right. I, I put mm-hmm. everything I do out to my music. I don't sell out. I don't do, I won't do like commercial sellout stuff. I, I won't do a farewell tour to cash in on my fans or a fake reading. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm, I'm, I have no filter. I'm straight up. It's over. I'm done. But that said, I will play shows for you guys. If you pay, if you pay this, the band flies in, but you know, I'm not going to lose money anymore. I, I'm tired of losing money. I'm done. And with your decades of experience of touring, of playing shows, and of sometimes not getting paid for those shows, where do you see the future of touring in like a, a post-pandemic world once bands are starting to go uh, back out fine. on the road? Fine. Certain Kingston bands will do good. Uh, Glorious Sons, they'll do good. They're fine. They're like the Stones. I like those guys. So they'll be fine. They're like the new hip, right? They're, they're great. And then uh, I like, uh, there's a band like Blondie. I like Luscious. You gave a Luscious. shout out to them. Yeah, they're going to do good. And then I like Casador. Castor's going to do good. There's some good stuff in the Kingston. I'm, I'm, and I, and I've, I haven't seen any of these bands live. Okay, I've just seen them on the internet, and I know that they're going to do good. Well, I think Glory Sons are already doing really good. They're classic rock, so they're not they're timeless rock. So they don't have to worry about a fashion or a genre. Those guys, and they have no fashion. You know, they just dress up like Bohemians. I love it. I don't know even know those guys, but I do know the guitar player. I know Coster. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about a topic near and dear to us. We recognize that there is so much musical talent um in in kingston here and you, you know in the mahones were just one of the successful acts that emerged from kingston's scene back in the 80s and so many more have followed that legacy continues today with bands like the glorious sons but what is it about kingston that that made it such a launching pad back then from the alienation talent? the alienation that we had as kids i don't know about today because you guys got the internet but i know what when we started me and gord downey for example and rob baker and Morrow seppi and who else was there uh, Dave Usher, fucking Sarah Harmer. We were all there. It was, you know, a really good bunch. We just tried hard and we communicated and we made a scene where we all show up at each other's gigs. You know, we just kind of like supported each other, like truly supported each other. So if you went to uh, a Will we can tell gig or who was there, the Priors, the Mahones, the hip kind of took out, uh, 
off out of the pile fast so they didn't have to stay in the scene because they they rose out quickly but a lot of us stayed in the scene for the 90s and created a nice scene and we also went to each other's gigs and we didn't fight each other we were nice and that's why we all were successful because we we actually supported each other i gave every one of those bands a support gig including moist moist open for the mahomes we've been tile up for the most everybody open for the mahomes because that's what you do it's called payback you, you you pull the people behind you forward to take our places like I, on the last mahomes tour i, t- I took angus faye uh, as a drummer he's the nephew of Johnny Faith and Hip. And on my new solo album, I have Boris Baker as a bass player. And he's this, he's Rob's son, you know? And so what I'm doing is I'm passing the buck to those guys so they can take over and I can step aside now and just produce albums and I'll do shows when I want to, but it's their job now. I did my 30 years, you know, the hip did their 30 years. It's luscious, glorious sons and, you know, Castor's turn. So I want to give my, skills to the young uh Celtic punk bands around the world that's what I do it's my specialty I'm a really good producer I've done 25 albums now I did I just did a Hamburg German techno album which is mine but blow your mind I did uh the filters I did Lightning Hit the Plane my English band I did the Wrecking album which I'm working on now I'm doing UK subs so I want to help the kids now the young musicians and I want to, I don't want to tour anymore I want them to tour and I'll just do the gigs I like. <laughs> I don't want to do the shitty ones anymore. <laughs> if there's no toilet seat in the dressing room, I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something extremely punk rock about that attitude of you've done, you've kind of done your gig, you've done your time, and now you want to elevate the next I generation. My, of the- I sold my soul to the highway, and now I'm taking it back. You know, and now I want to be a family man. I want to get married again. I want to fucking be with my son. I want to produce records. I want to enjoy my life now. Do you, do you feel a bit of a conflict between the fans that, I mean, you, you people revere you as, as an Irish punk legend. That's a genre. I thought they hated me. So that's funny that you say that. Cause I never know what people think of me. I get so many haters guys. I try to stay off the internet, you know, when I get called fake Irish, that hurts me because I'm born in Ireland and, and I'm not really Canadian. So what am I, you know, give me, give me some home, you know, I don't like to be called fake Irish or fake Canadian. That bothers me. And, uh, I'm not going to harp about it uh, in line. People don't like it when I talk about my politics and religion and stuff. I know that, but I'm a socialist. And I don't give a fuck what they say. And I, I really, I, I'd rather have zero fans than one one racist fan. I'd rather have zero fans than one racist fan or one homophobic fan. I don't care. I found that really admirable about the Mahone's Facebook page during this pandemic, where we've seen this rise of people who are so ingrained in misinformation and are willing to become combative in I, I, comment I, I, sections. I, I started, I chased off about 25,000 racist fans off my Facebook page. And I applaud you for it. I stopped doing it, stopped doing it now because it was getting bad for my mental health. But I think people know where I stand. Somebody accused me of exploiting... Uh, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter to promote my band last week. And that really hurt me for all the work I've done for, for the last, since Trump got elected. That really, I took that really personally. So I just walked away. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore because you know, when people try and tear me down, you know, and I know I'm a white guy and I don't belong there, you know, but I, I, when I saw him get killed, that really fucking fucked me up and it hurt me so bad. I mean, yeah, maybe I didn't handle it right, but my heart was in the right place. So I'm just going to stay out of it now. Everybody knows how I feel. I'm not going to fight with the racists and the bigots anymore and the homophobes. I'm just not going to play gigs for them. I wanted to ask, what, what do you what do you think? You have a lot of hardcore fans. You know, what, what is the essence of a, of a Mahones fan? What is what is the draw the the draw to the band for over 30 years? We have different kinds of fans, right? You've got the original fans, the rowdies, the rowdy the rowdy Irish punks who want to just fucking get drunk and spend all their money at the bar and have a great night on the town, you know, and they want me to play drunk ladies bachelor for as long as I possibly can. You know, 
So I save it till the end and I give them a nice long version, you know, mm-hmm. that way the bar gets lots of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the fans get to see the whole show. So just one song. And then, uh, so I get those guys. And then I have the, uh, the newer fans who are like the smart, uh, political heartfelt, uh, you know, want to do good for the world and their children fans, you know, kind of like me right now. I love those people too. And then I got this, the general fans who just want to come out for a good night and they don't even know any of our songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're kind of like the dropsick Murphy's fans. I love that. Cause when you go to Murphy's gigs, they don't know anything about the one song shipping up to Boston. <laughs> all, their, all their regular fans, all their hardcore fans can sing all the lyrics, but the regular fans only know the hit, right? You can always spot them in the crowd, but you know, it's a party, right? Basically, you know, the concert is a party. You invite the people. They come to the show and you, you got a couple hours together and you give them the fucking best night of their life. That's the whole trick, you know, and they go home and they remember love so much to come back again and they bring their friends. So I give them 200% every time. If there's 10 people or 10,000, they always get the same fucking show from the malls. I love it. You know, there's a, um, you arguably, uh, you know, invented and popularized the Irish punk genre. Well, I know I did that. Never all the other young bands hate me for it. <laughs> Try and pretend <laughs> Yeah, I know I fucking did. The Pogues did it, but they did it folky. I, I did it, and I brought in a fucking electric guitar and a Marshall amp. They didn't do that. I did that. And then the Murphys and the Flog and Molly ripped that off of me. I was doing that six years before Murphys and 10 years before fucking Flog and Molly. So I am the Husker Dew to their Nirvana. You know, I dug the trenches, right? I didn't get the credit for it, but, you know, whatever. I'm not in this for credit. I'm not in this for awards. Never been invited to Geno's Could of Flying Fuck, you know? You know, I'm in this for music only. I care about music. I don't care about selling out. I don't care about money. I don't care about tour buses. I don't care about, you know, you know, anything, anything fake. I don't care about, I especially hate the plastic patty scene with all those bands touring on St. Patrick's Day. They're not even Irish, you know, like, oh, you know, it's, talk about cultural appropriation. That's one of the reasons I'm leaving the Irish scene because it's turned fake. I don't want to be part of it anymore. There's just the same big bands going around every year, scooping up all the money. I don't want to be part of it. So I'm going to do my own solo. You'll hear my solo album right after this interview, guys, and you'll see what I did. I'm the new Van Morrison. I'm the new Leonard Cohen. I just fucked everybody up big time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I put put all my talent into this album. Well, in addition to this solo album, you also have said you're working on Emma Hone's book, telling some stories. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to tell you stories I'm telling you now. i got so many of them. i got to tell them quickly before I forget. So I'll write the book of Mahone's for sure. And I'll write a book about mine. I'm going to write a book about telling bands how to make it in the music business because I made it in the music business without the help of the industry. No video, no no hit singles. Well, I had a few, I guess, but no like uh, no radio play, no video play, no manager, no help in the industry. I'm going to teach bands how to do that. But you got to buy the book for that. I need to make some money, so it's not going to be fucking free. <laughs> I don't get money off my albums anymore. That was a, well, I called that last week. I called that. I had a Spotify moment. <laughs> I had no money. 21 albums in the bank and no money. 25 albums, millions and millions of plays, millions. No money. It was my Spotify moment, boys. Is there hope for today's, you know, emerging musicians and, and talent? You're not going to make any money off music ever again. It's gone. You, the internet stole all our money. We got nothing left. But you can make money off concerts and you can make money off merchandise and t-shirts. They can't download a t-shirt and they can't download your concert. So. But the good news is the record company, they gave me an advance to make this album and I never even gave them one song. So that's how much they trust me. And it's the biggest label in Canada, True North Records. That's outstanding. Yeah. What's the role of record labels? Their role has changed, you know, from the days yeah, of old. Is now, I need them to get my songs online and stuff all around the world. So what they do is they pay for my record. They, uh, 
promote my record and to get it on every little website, everywhere you can think of in the world. That's a lot of fucking work. I don't want to do that shit. So they do that. I just make the music. I give it to them. They take care of that shit. I got a really high royalty rate because I've been around for a long time and sold a lot of records. So my deal's really good. If you're a new band, you won't get a very good deal. You probably get like 20%. Do you think bands today need a label to be successful? Not to make your mark, but uh, definitely to continue going, yes. But to make your first album, no. You can come at the gates with your first album, make it, make it. The best thing to do is come out with your first album, independent like I did, cleared the way. Oh, got right here. Remember this, guys? Mm-hmm. There it is. Right out. This is a real one. This is the first one. This is a real original. This got me a record deal. I put it this fucking little silly tape. And I had to put the record, and I've been, have been signed ever since all my life from this one tape. But now tapes don't work anymore, kids. So, uh, <laughs> And uh, here's a little quick bit of advice, okay? Don't be an asshole. Make friends. If you make it, if you're an asshole and you piss anybody off, your career will end right away. We remember the assholes. So don't come in like a fucking rock star because you will be dissed, blacklisted, and kicked out of the music business instantly. Okay? Number one rule. Number two, 10 good songs. Not two good ones and eight bad ones. 10 good ones on your first album. Number three, we only listen to the first five songs. So put your first five songs that are your best five songs on your fucking debut album. Because if there are five good ones, we'll listen to the other five. If they're not, you're toast. That's the rule of making it right there. Then after that, you get a support tour. Hey, you were holding up your first tape uh, for the, Mah- the Mahones ever put out, first album the Mahones ever put out. Before the Mahones, there was the Filters. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the Filters, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how that band factored into the Mahones? Let's not talk much about it because I don't like my career to be based on anything to do with the hip. But in a quick sense, I'll tell you quickly, it was a band pre-hip. It was me and Gord Downey. We had a band called The Filters, Maximum R&B. It was Andrew Frontini on bass, Moral Seppi on drums. I formed a band for just two weeks of gigs. Then I went to my summer trip, came back, and everybody wanted me to put it back together. So Gordon and I put it back together. We brought in Rob Baker. Then they, they went to Queens, and I went to England. And it was over really fast. It was just a quick fun, just friends. But I don't tell the story, because I don't want my career to have anything to do with those guys. But now that I'm retiring, I'll tell the story in a couple of years, because the 40th anniversary is two years away. <laughs> so, so I'm working on something with Mike Downey, Gord's brother, the film director. We're working on something special for, uh, for everybody. But let's just keep quiet for now. I never wanted to step on the hip's toes, because I love the hip and they're my friends. So I never talked about the filters, and I wanted the hip to be just the hip, and I wanted the Mahomes to be just the Mahomes. And that's the way it was. And we both ran our 30-year careers perfectly. Rob landed the balloon softly with the hip. I'm finishing going to land the balloon softly with the Mahones. And then uh, we'll talk about the filters in a couple of years. We'll do something special, you know, in memory of Gord, for sure. You know, because we all, we, all, we all love Gord. And I did, a, I did a tribute for him on this album, actually, guys. I, I played a song for him. Last song on the album, I did a bonus song. Just me on acoustic guitar. One song for Gord. I want to keep it all a bit low, though. I don't mind talking about it in K-Town. But I'm not going to talk about this in Calgary or Europe or where I'll talk about it in K-Town because we're all family here. Gord was our, Gord was our, he was the boss, right? We all love Gord. You know, he brought fame to every one of us. So we all uh, have to, he's like St. Gord to me. Star, I call him Starman. Mike Danny was here last night. We hung out all last night, listened to, to uh, hip songs and stuff. I'm best friends with Mike, his older brother. I wasn't that close with Gord. I was always close to Mike. So me and me and Mike are next door neighbors. <laughs> just, so we're always hanging out together. But uh, you'll nothing is pictures of on my Instagram somewhere. But uh, we're talking about how to do it with, with the most taste and class. And we want to. And I talked to Kevin from Bare Naked Ladies, Lou Reed, and 
he told me to make sure the music is respected. So I won't let anybody touch the music. It's not going to LA. It's not going to New York. It's staying with here with me. And only me, only I will work on it with my guys. Nobody touches it because it's got to be completely not fucked up and, and meant to be heard the way it's supposed to be heard. And no, you know who made the music was me. I recorded it. I produced it. I'm the only guy who knows what happened. So I'm fixing it now. And I've already fixed 10 of the 40 songs. It's got a lot of work to do. There's 40 songs. Beautiful. And there's about five or six live albums. <laughs> <laughs> I record, I record everything. Shh, don't tell everybody because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Kingston Live. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. For more great Kingston music, check out the Kingston Live playlist on Spotify. You can also hear our sister show, Kingston Live, on air on Amherst Island Radio 92.1 FM and CFRC 101.9 FM. Well, before you were recording everything, before even before that, you were a tour guide at Fort Henry, I'm told. Oh, oh you're not going there, are you? I'm going there. Do you remember any Fort Henry trivia facts that you could just lay on us right now? Anything digging way, uh, way deep uh, in the uh, past? Do, I, do, I, do, I, do I want me to embarrass myself on, on your show? Or no? I don't really I embarrass to. myself every time I open my mouth, I so I mean, you'll be in good company. I, I got the job because I could grow a beard. And I was just a young kid, and so I grew a beard, which meant I had because they needed the guy in the. Uh, it's a place where you give out the guns and the ammunition. The armory. Yeah, Is I went in the armory, and this is a true story. I was carrying bags of fucking gunpowder to the cannons every day as my job. I could have blown up any minute. That, that they banned it now. It's so fucking dangerous. <laughs> I was carrying big bombs to the guns every day. That was my fucking job. Blow up the Irish guy. You know, he's used to bombs. <laughs> so, so I, that was my fucking job. And then after it ended in the summertime, uh, I became a tour guide because I was so funny and entertaining. They asked me to stay on as a tour guide because I, I gave, uh, I was just in it. Well, you know what I'm like, right? I gave great tours and they thought it was really funny and entertaining the tour. So I stayed on for tour guide and I made enough money to start my homes and I, and I paid for this album out of the Fort Henry. What's that? Like, it Fort all Henry came full circle. First, Fort Henry paid for my first album, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and all you had to do was not blow yourself up. Yeah, I know, eh? They, they said, check it on. The, it's, it's banned. It's illegal at Fort Henry now. I would have blown me to smithereens. I would have no arms, no legs, no head, nothing. But the luck of the Irish got me through that one, laddies. And here I am now talking to you. Your 2020 Unplugged album was one of our, our picks last for last year, of our favorite albums. And um, That was, that was my get... segue to my slow retirement. Nobody knew that. I was, I was easing them off, easing the punks down with some acoustic music. <laughs> Everything I do is a hidden is hidden concept. Like if you did this one here, look at me. I didn't tell you guys, but I was retiring the Mahomes a long time ago. There I am in a bed of roses as a skeleton. <laughs> so this, this is all I got to show for it. Get it? Thirty years. This is all I got to show for it. There I am, skeleton in a bed of roses. See, I didn't tell you guys before I did it because then you go, no, don't stop the Mahomes. But I'm not stopping the Mahomes. I just don't want to tour anymore. I want to hang out with my son. I want to get married. I want to marry my girlfriend. I want to get a dog again. I miss having a dog. You know. Things in life I just miss. I want to have. Has it been hard for you to to be a, a touring punk rock legend and and a parent? No, because I dedicated most of my time to being parenting. Yeah, I, I, when I when my son was born, when he was twenty. I quit drinking right away because I was a nice fucking party animal drinker for the nineties. And so as soon as he was born, I quit drinking. So now I just have a, a, a drink here. I like a, a one or two Guinness, you know. It may look like I'm drinking, but I'm not. I don't anymore. I drove everywhere on tour for twenty years to keep myself sober. So I saw every fucking country, everything with my own eyes. Well, all the drunks were sleeping in the back. I was up front seeing everything, taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that part. That was great. 
And I've driven everywhere. I've driven from Moscow to fucking Los Angeles. Like, there's nowhere I haven't been. I've been to Slovenia, Croatia, you name it. Deep into the east, I've been there. So I've been everywhere. All those places, in Australia. Only place that I missed was Japan and South America, which I wanted to go to, which I'll still play. But I'll only go, I'll only fly in for two or three shows now at this point. I have no tours. And I'm not doing a farewell tour because I, I don't believe in, in uh, cashing in on fake bullshit, you know? <laughs> Because then you have to be reading to it right after. And it's stuff here to fans to clean them out like that. I won't do that too. You've mentioned a couple times that moving to your your solo album, doing more acoustic stuff is kind of your almost you're moving away from punk. But I think you can argue that that's I'm still. Old. I'm too old to be a punk. I'm 56. I feel silly at the, at the punk concerts now when I go in there and I'm the, the granddad. So I got to age gracefully and I don't want to look silly. So I just want to ease over to uh, uh, you know, there's new punk bands. Go see those guys. You know, so I've been mean, getting attacked by the punk band. I've been getting attacked by the punk bands for th- 30 fucking years. You're not punk. I've seen the clash four times. Green Day zero. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the punk three times. I saw the Sex Pistols two times. I'm as punk as you could fucking be, you know? So I don't give a shit what they say about me. That's fine. Whatever. But you know, it, it, the, the punk scene is a little vicious. And I, I don't like that because I believe punk is about unity, supporting each other and being friends. I'm all about honesty. There's no lying, no stealing, and helping people. So now I'm going to go into the rabbit hole and just do what I want to do when I want to do it. I'm going to play punk. I'm making a punk album directly. I'm still playing punk. Punk is my blood, right? I'm punk. Look at my tattoos. They're all punk tattoos. This is my blood. But I, I do like folk now that I'm older. Don't forget, I hated Bruce Springsteen when I was a kid. Couldn't stand him. Now I think he's the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my sister went and saw his, his uh, river tour. I'm like, what are you doing that for? Gross. Uh, I think I went and saw ACDC back in black at the time, you know. But now I think it's the best album ever. And I love Bruce Springsteen. He's my favorite. I opened my album with, with Atlantic City. It's my favorite song in the world. And I did one Shane McGowan song, Pair of Brown Eyes, which is my other favorite song in the world. And I did one song by The Faces, which Maggie May, which is my other favorite song in the world. And I, with that one, I brought the Mahones together for a reunion. So the Mahones are on that. Yeah. So Beautiful. May, I'll send it to you guys right now, and you guys can all share it, okay? Yeah, love to hear it. Download it for your own private cells. Keep it, but you can't give it to anybody. I think there's something to be said about the relationship between folk and punk because they're both very DIY. Folk is just, you know, exactly you've got the acoustic guitar, nothing I else. Do the exact same thing in folk. In folk. So I'm just not going to be punker anymore. I'm going to be a folk. I'm going to play music that you can like have your dinner to, your breakfast to, your lunch to. You can make love to it. You can go to sleep to it. You know, adult music. I call it. I call it adult music. So way I don't look like Leonard Cohen, like Bruce Springsteen, like Tom Waits, because, you know, I want to act my age. I just want to act my age, you know. And, you know, the punk bands, I don't have the anger that I had when I was 20 in the punk scene. And I'm a dad now, so let those kids do it. I'm not angry anymore. Right? I'm, I'm happy. I'm in love. You know, so I want to do nice things for people. I got enough demons in my head, so I just want to hang out with nice people. That's true. That's what it is. You know? I just want to hang out with nice people play nice concerts and places I like <laughs> and uh, I'll play, I'll always play concerts and I'll always do Mahomes concerts and I'll always make records for everybody until the day I die. But I just won't chew anymore. How did you land on the sound from the Mahomes? What was, what were your influences? It was, back accidental. It was accidental. I, I saw the Pogues in England when I lived there for five years. Cause I moved there in 85 to 89 after high school in filters. And I, my cousin Rory, the guy singing about it all the time, drunk, but he brought me to see the Pogues at the Hampstead Palais. I used to hate Irish music, living in the Irish pub in Muldoon's for 10 years in Planet Hotel. I didn't like it when I was a kid. So I saw the Pogues and I was like, oh, fuck, this is good. This is not bad. 
And then I saw the Water Boys, and it's like, oh, this is really good. It's not bad. So that was the, it was those two bands. So then when I came home to Kingston in '89, and I did that Fort Henry job, right? That's it uh, for 1990. Uh, Barry Williams, who owned the Toucan, he said, "Finney, can you put? I want to put together a band to do one show for St. Patrick's Day. Can we do it?" I was like, "Sure." So I went out and got the Dubliner Songbook, which is my favorite Irish band. I'm being a Dubliner from Dublin. And I learned uh, the full show of their songs. And uh, out of a, a book, my dad got me a book. And I, I, my dad circled the popular songs. This is another word of lies. Dad circled the hits for me because he, he owned Muldoon's for 15 years. So he knows all the hits and sings them all. So he sang, circled all the hits. My dad, Whiskey in the Jar, Tell Me Ma, Irish Rover, Wild Rover, Blackfellow Band, you know, all these songs, which I knew anyways from growing up in the pub. And I went to Barry's house. We played the songs through on the acoustic guitar and, uh, and he just drumsticks on his lap. And then I called Joe Chitlin and Dave Allen. Dave Allen was a very popular fiddle player in Kingston, played the Rio Stags, Baronet Ladies, everybody's in England now. He was in the Popes. I got him in the Popes, Jim Gowns band. That was me who got him in that band because they called me looking for a fiddler. I go, yeah, I got one. He's in England. It's Dave Allen. So I got him in that band. And then I got Joe Chitlin, who's the Kingston legend school, Joe Chitlin Lending Library. He came in and started to me. So the, if you heard the first live album, which I have, I got it. I just t- finished it the other day. Mahone's Live the Toucan, 1991. I have a live album of us four. And it's done. And it's a masterpiece. Oh, my God. Wait till you guys hear it. Oh, my God. I'm releasing that next year with this thing. I already told you about the reading gig. So it's coming out with this. This come on CD. So it's be a deluxe CD package. Live the Toucan plus the first album. And it'll come down. We'll do a secret show at the Toucan some night. And then we'll do the big show at the theater. Uh, I sidetracked myself. What was I talking about? I do this a lot. No, I was curious how you, how you, how you, you know, you're, you're, you're most notable for inventing the Irish punk, you know, genre. And I wanted to know how it is you landed on the sound for the Mahones. That I was at the, gave po- rise the water to boys, and water boys and the Dubliners in the clash. Cause I was a punk, right? Don't forget. I was a punk. So when Barry asked me to play the music, he asked a punk to do it. Right. Like he knew I was in the reckoning at the time. So you weren't, you didn't ask a folk guy. I wasn't like a folk singer. So he knew what he wanted. Right. So, uh, I just, well, all I did was put the electric guitar into it before anybody else did. So I just added the monster sound guitar into the house and that was that. Are you yeah. proud of, of what it, of, of what the genre has become or, or, or no, I, I sensed a little bit of disappointment. I think it's watered down into plastic patty. That's why I'm leaving it. Hmm. Uh, like, I don't want to mention names, but the big names, the big bands are just going around doing the same show every year, taking all the money and blocking all the little bands. They're even blocking me. So they're not going away. So I'll go away. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Is that just the nature of the music business or, is, or do you feel that the big bands like to block the small bands so they can't get into the top levels. They do it all the time because these certain bands want the shows. They want them all the money for themselves and they want all the shows. I understand it's business, but it's just not my business. I'm not in it for that. I don't care about money and that stuff. So I, I just want to make music that's really respected and classic. And I just made an album. It's a masterpiece. This is my masterpiece guys. I put all my love into this baby and I know what I'm doing. And I'm laser focused right now, laser focused. So remember five years ago when I made Love Death, I was completely unfocused on all these drugs and can't remember a thing. This time I'm laser focused. <laughs> so wait till you hear what I did. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going after Leonard Cohen, Van Morrison, uh, Tom Waits, uh, Bruce Springsteen audience. Now. I'm leaving punk and I'm going, my girlfriend told me, this is a good thing, this would made me do it too. She goes, you know, Fanny, there's 80% more fans in folk music. I was like, really? 
really went, really? And I was like, good point. I didn't even realize that. Because when I did the Irish punk, I thought, you know, if I get an Irish punk, I'll genre my band, I'll get to the top of the genre and everybody will know who I am. And I did it, right? I'm in the top five in the world. Everybody fucking knows who I am. If you mention Irish punk, they all know who I am in any country in the world. And I'm huge in Indonesia. I've never even been there, right? So, like, you know, that's how, how it works, right? Because the internet. So did my first show in Moscow sold out. Everybody knew all my songs. I had never sold a record in my life. It's all Spotify and legal downloads, right? So I've done my job. Are you hopeful that hardcore Mahones fans will follow you into this new oh, creative gonna, territory? Oh, I made it for them too. They're going to follow me. I'm not stupid. I took care of my boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> this album is for them too. Oh yeah, I take care of my fans. But I didn't make them an Irish album, but I put Perry Brown Eyes on there for them purposely. And I got the Mahones on there for them purposely in Maggie May. I take care of my, my fans. Oh yeah, I wouldn't abandon them. Never. This album, they're going to fucking love. But it's a mellow album. It's not It's not a punk album anymore, you know? And that's why I, wore, I gave him the Unplugged album first to bring the, to land the balloon softly, as Rob Baker says. <laughs> I love when he said that in this hit movie. Like, what a great way to do it. So I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to land the balloon softly. So I did the Unplugged album, then I gave him the 30 years, and this is all we got to show for it, you know, laying in a bed of roses. <laughs> coming. And I just pulled the plug on the tour. But I'm not going to pull the plug on the band. I've already booked a studio in Berlin, Germany, for our next album from Holmes. You sound you sound hopeful and optimistic that, that that there's a new fan base out there waiting to to discover. I don't want any fans. I don't even care about fans anymore. Really, I'd love them. I just want to kind of just slowly fade out. I've done my job. My legacy is intact. I made sure it was not messed with, and I made sure I put all the music up beautifully. And I'm going to fix the first four albums with the first girl eyes because I had to do the new record deal. That their songs had to be taken out because they weren't in the band. So and then I made a new deal with them. So I put them all back in. And we're going to put not only put their songs back in, I'm going to put everything in. So you get like 40 songs. And I tell you, we didn't make bad songs, us boys, back then. We were really sharp at the time. And I was surprised when I listened to all the tapes. So in lockdown, I went to the archives. That's how this all happened, right? That's where I found the filters and all that stuff. And so I did, I'm, just, I'm just going to spend the next year, 10 years like Jimmy Page. And I'm going to take care of the Mahone's legacy and make all the albums perfect for everybody here. Perfect. So they'll be like, Nothing wrong with them. I'll make sure everything's perfect and then it'll be set forever. And then there we go. I'm done. Finney, you're working, uh, producing um, other bands, working with younger artists and stuff. What advice do you often give them? Um, well, I, just what gave hope you are you I just gave you some. I don't want to give too much. It's going to be in the book. Come on. <laughs> I won't make any money. <laughs> first thing, okay, first, here's an advice for band. Don't drink in the studio. You're throwing all your money into it. Don't, no booze until you're done recording. Then you party when you listen to the tapes back. Every band that comes and gets drunk in the car, they just shit. It's all crap, and I got to erase all the tapes. So yeah, you can't. You, I call it beer ears. You cannot hear when you're drunk. Whether you tell me you can or you're not, you can't. I'm classically trained. I'm pitch perfect. You know, I can't hear when I'm drunk. So just don't get drunk when you record, and try not to get drunk on stage. Have a couple of beers. Get drunk after the fucking show. Give the people their money's worth. Don't rip them off. You know, show respect to your fans. You know, your fans deserve better. Like fucking drunk on stage, fucking wobbling around, fucking mumbling into a microphone. That's not cool. I don't like that. I did that a bit in my early days and I regretted it. And I felt guilty about it and I did it again. Some of my early performances are kind of like, well, you know, it was what it was at the time. I, I got free booze and I never had free booze before. So I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you mean I can drink all I want for free? So, you know, that happened a lot in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Those old names, old songs, drunk night in Dublin, drunk lazy bastard, drunk in this, down the boozer. Fucking every song is about booze. Is the bar open till tomorrow? Like, that was my life in the 90s. But I had a great time and I survived it. So, some of my friends didn't make it. So, I did. 
you know, I miss you boys. Love you. Do you care to share any of those stories with us? I don't want to. It makes me sad. Being a book, okay? I have have depression and PTSD, so I don't like to go there. No, that's all right. But I'll tell you one, though. Barry Williams is my hero. The only two can. If it wasn't for him, there would be no Mahomes. Tell you that story. I love him. He's my my (laughs) mentor. He's the guy who got me into music. He's a buy me Thin Lizzy Records, Rory Gallagher Records when I was a kid and bring it to my house when I was like, you know, 10 years old. I owe Barry everything. I love him. He's my hero. He, he was my inspiration. And he's, that's why I made this album with Barry on the drums. Now you want to, I had to put out an album with Barry on the drums. He's the best drummer we ever had. He's the king. So I, I made this album, all the, just focusing on Barry. And it sounds so good. Oh, it's Barry Williams in his own bar. The two again. It's a glorious thing. And I did that for Barry and Joe. Well, make sure he listens to this podcast episode when it's out. So yeah, we'll, can... I'll give you guys exclusive stuff on it. But, you know, it's kind of hurts me a bit in my heart to, to do that stuff with those guys. Joe being dead and Barry being dead and Gordy Downey being dead and stuff. But you know what? Their legacy is more important. So I have to I have to fix the music for them. And I'm going to respect it and do it right. I'll make sure it sounds fucking amazing. And I'll put it out properly where everybody can get it. Penny, where can our listeners track down news and information about the Mahones, merch, things like that? Well, I stopped selling merch because of the pandemic because I thought, you know, nobody's getting money, so I don't want to take anybody's money. <laughs> People are struggling, man. They can't even buy food. They have no jobs. So I'm not selling merch until the pandemic. So then I'll set up a big store and take your money again. <laughs> but I don't want to take people's money when they don't have any. I don't feel good about it. It feels wrong. So there's no merch store. There is. There's a little one going on. It's been, okay, go to Speed Me Around Records. I opened a little one for the desperate people. You really want it. My buddy Rob at SpeedMeAroundRecords.com. He's got some. Yeah, I let, I'm letting him sell. I'm letting him, sell, and that's directly from me. That's a direct source. It's not bootleg. Anything else you see is bootleg merch. So I let him sell some merch for me because he works for me. He's my man, my, my main man, my assistant, and he he makes bootlegs of my concerts and stuff. And he filmed me doing the Fiddler's Green video. You see that one, the Fiddler's Green video? Mm-hmm. I'll send you the version of that, the original, and I can send you the the new album. You can have those for your show. It's me doing the tribute to Gord Downey live. I did it one take, once only. I said I'm gonna play it one time only. And I never played before, and I never played since. Why did Why did you choose that song? Well, it's got a great backstory. That's why I choose. Uh, uh, first of all, when I remember I saw the album come out, I saw the name. It's like I think they must have wrote that song for me. I <laughs> <laughs> know I'm going to notice that name, and of course they didn't write it for me. It was but a little two year old family member who died. Very sad song. Well, I, so when I heard the song, I was like, "Oh, God, that's not for me." <laughs> but I, I love the name. You know, it's like it's like. There's no way the boys are going to know that I didn't notice that Irish name in that song, you know? Like, it was the first thing I saw that I think, Phyllis Green, my went right to it. You're like, if I see like Finnegan or something, you know, I'm Irish, I'll know, I'll know those things. So I love this song, just loved it anyway. And I love that album. I love Road Apple. I love Day for Night was my favorite. I love Day for Night, but I love Road Apples too. I love that fire rock sound that they had in the early days, you know, that the fucking, just fucking pure fire rock, fucking R&B, maximum R&B stuff. I just, I like that kind of stuff. Lessons, you know, to, to the salt. When the hip, I like the heavy stuff, not the soft stuff. I'm into their, their rock stuff. So, anyways, uh, uh, so I uh, was in Amsterdam with my friend Jimmy, who is a filmmaker who did a few tours at me. He's from Manchester, England. And we were out on the town that night, about 2002, maybe 2000, drinking the bars up till four or five in the morning. So you can get a good drink on in Amsterdam. So we go back to his place. He pulls out his good guitar. He goes, I'm playing old folk song, Finn. And I hear, I go, what? And he starts, 
Uh, whatever the words are. I can't remember the words now. I only did it one time. <laughs> How's it go again? <laughs> I read the words off a piece of paper, so I don't know how to... Whatever the words are, he starts singing. I go, that's not a fucking folk song. That's by my friends that tries to hear from Kingston. He goes, no, fuck you, Finney. It's a fucking old folk song. I was like, fuck you. It's an old fuck. It's a Trazzy Hip song, Philly's Green, off a of road apples. <laughs> there was no Spotify, so I couldn't prove to him at the time. <laughs> he thought it was a folk song. So that always <laughs> sat with me, you know? And, you know, so seeing the Fiddler's Green, the title, and then that little incident 20 years ago in Amsterdam. And then, then when Gord died five years ago, everybody was doing tributes. And I thought, well, I, I'm not going to do one because everybody, even people who don't even know him are doing tributes. And, you know, let's let them do their thing, right? You know, I'll just do one day, one day when the time is right. And I did solo album. I felt right. I said, I'm going to add one more song at the end. And it's going to be acoustic, just no band. I'm going to do a little tribute to my late friend Gord. And I just put for Gord, so it's not going to say anything but the hip or not even his last name, nothing says for Gord. And I won't even tell this to anybody else, but I'll tell it to you guys because you're Cape Town. So nobody else would know what I'm talking about if I tell them anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a special case. I did it for his, I did it for the Danny, Danny families, for the, for the brothers. I'm going to, you know, thank the brothers because I'm friends with his brothers, right? So I'll thank the Downey brothers on the album. Yeah, I nice. love it. Maybe we can drop that track into the podcast. Yeah, yeah. you got my permission. One, two, three, four, one September 17 For a girl I know it's Mother's Day The sun is gonna be Yeah, yeah And that's where he will stay The wind and the weather vain A tear in blue eyes sailing As the false staff sings a sorrowful refrain For a boy on Phyllis Green This tiny knotted heart well, I guess it never worked too good The timber tore apart And the water gorged the wood You can hear her whispered prayer For the man lasts always lean The same wind that moves a hair Moves a boy through Fiddler's Green travel long alone I'm not in Fiddler's Green Blue 
Meadows are filled with rain And the children's eyes are sleeping mean And the flag sack sings soft song For a boy on Fiddler's Green For a boy on Fiddler's Green, yeah For a boy on Fiddler's Green, star man For a boy on Fiddler's Green I love that band. I'm a big fan. So they're the Rolling Stones of Canada, man. They're the biggest, they're the best band in Canada for sure. Hands down. I don't care what anybody says. You know, it's really interesting because the the hip, you call them the Rolling Stones of Canada and they certainly were one of the most popular bands domestically here. The Mahones are popular around the world. How do you feel about that? Well, I did it differently than they did. I did it differently than Sam Roberts did. I did it differently than the Trues did, Matthew Good, anybody. I went I left the country a long time ago. They all stayed here and got tour buses and went up and down the 401. I was, meanwhile, I was in Europe and the States. I, I, I didn't do Canada. I, 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 I knew, I did the mathematical, I took a mathematical approach and Canada's 3% of the world market. So I was like, well, no point in playing here. So I played everywhere else and made a lot of money everywhere else. I make way more money in the States than in Europe than in Canada. Canada's the hardest country to tour. Every town's eight hours away from each other. And there's not many people. I don't make any money when I tour Canada. That's why I do it. Like if I do it, I do it once a year. So now, now I'll make money because I'll just fly to Halifax for the weekend, do two gigs. <laughs> you know, and I'll fly to Vancouver for two two gigs. I'll fly I'll fly to Calgary to do two gigs. You know, I should do it that way now. Uh, I'll do gigs in the homes. I'll do gigs myself. But the touring days are over. I don't want to, if I have to drive from Toronto to to Winnipeg one more time. Just shoot me. <laughs> That's a twenty-four hour drive. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. That's for Luscious and Casador. <laughs> Gloria Spence, you got a, you got money. You got tour bus. <laughs> At least you guys can go to sleep. So it's what it is. You got to pay your dues. You can do it. You can do it. I never I never spent money on tour buses. I found it a waste of money. Thousand dollars a day, ten thousand dollars a week. You know how much money people you can feed with that money. So I put the money back in the band, and I do charity work. So I never wasted my money on on. Uh, limousines and tour buses I thought the way same with Johnny the Ramones did the same they didn't waste their money on limousines and tour buses it's just an excess that you don't need you know really it's, it's totally 10 grand a week for a tour bus guys I think we could do a 10 grand buy a brand new car <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I don't use them anywhere I play I still sense that Canada and Kingston hold a special place in your heart. Is that right? Kings, Kings, I love Canada I'm going to live here forever in Toronto I will never move back to Kingston yeah, but I get, I'm buying a house in Germany in the country. I'm going to live there. So I'm going to get married to a German girl. We'll get a house in the country. And I'll keep my apartment in Toronto Beaches because I love the beaches. It reminds me of Kingston. <laughs> it's just like Kingston here. I don't like Kingston. I don't know why. I never liked it. You know, I love I love it, but I had I just wanted to get out of it as a kid. And I wrote, I remember writing a song called Road to Nowhere in uh, The Reckoning. And the opening line was walking down the road to nowhere. I looked around and realized I was there. That was about Kingston. But now I write songs about Kingston. I love Kingston. Like coming back to this whole town and take me back to my home, take me back to my hotel. Like I'm writing great songs. Now I write songs about how much I miss Kingston, but when I was in Kingston, I write songs about how I want to get out of Kingston. You know what I mean? Now I miss it now. I love it. So Kingston's my heart. Europe is my home more, and I want to go back to Europe. I miss Europe. But I will stay in Canada for sure. Because my business, my Whiskey Devil Records and my Mahone's office and everything is based 
Well, you're sitting in it right now. <laughs> I'm based out of Toronto. So I, I'll, I'll keep it based out here forever. To set up a shop in another place is start from scratch. It just takes too long. This is established for 30 years. Whiskey Double Records is 10 years old. You know, all my people work for me, my merge people, everybody's here. I have a, two teams. I have one in Europe and one here. I have all my equipment here and I have all my equipment in Europe. So I have two back lines. So I have two offices, basically, you know. So I can live in two places. That's what I want to do. I mean, I, I got my I got a Canadian passport and a European passport, so I'm a dual citizen too. I got my citizen in Kingston when I was 18. We do hope you come back to visit us in oh, Kingston I'll office. Yeah. I'll do a show there this summer. I'll do an outdoor show in like a, in the park or something because we all give each other COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I did them in Europe. I did them in Europe last year and they were great. I loved it because Europe they have they have this thing called beer gardens where everybody sits in the parks and they have beer. You drink the parks there, right? Unlike here, stupid. Europe, you can go to the park and drink. So, say, so for example, Kingston Park, what do you call it? Confederation Park, what do we call it there? Trainers, you know? I would do a gig there and you could all sit around and drink beer and be civil. You can't do that in Kingston, you can do that in Europe. And that's stupid. So, they, got, they need to change the laws here and make it a little more civil. Then we can all play outside and we'll have safer concerts. Everybody will be safe. We'll have our shots by the fall and we can go inside. We're going to have to have uh, vaccine passports and probably face masks in the concerts now. So, I'll put a little Mahomes logo on the side, you know, give him away for free at the door. <laughs> hey, Finney McConnell for mayor of Kingston. Who's with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, he should have been <laughs> Wally High. Wally High should have been the mayor. I'll come back to Kingston if I'm the mayor. That's it, though. Only if I'm the mayor. So I got to run that town if I come back. Make sure everybody's okay. Hey, hey we can drink in the park and listen to the Mahomes. Well, I'm still waiting for them to give me the name. They named it the street after the hip. And all, all I asked for was the alleyway at the toucan. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Kingston Live. We encourage you to rate us on your listening platform of choice and subscribe where possible. Kingston Live was produced in Kingston at Titan Sound. Hosted by Rob Howard and Riley Jabor. Writing and research by Peter Sanfilippo. Voiceovers by John Sanfilippo and Eilish Sullivan. Promotional assistance by Jackson Coulter and Reed Cunningham. Executive producer, Rob Howard. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at kingstonlive.ca.